This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for January 19, 2014. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In this morning's Gospel lesson, we have the first mention of the disciple Andrew, who is, of course, our patron, because um, we're called St. Andrews. Anybody know what Andrew means? It means manly. That's a good name for our church, aren't you? We're a manly church. <laughs> Just ask the brotherhood, they'll tell you. We're a manly church. Andrew is in many ways nondescript, but he has a particularly important role in, in the gospel because he is the first disciple and it is he who brings his brother, Simon, to come to meet Jesus. Now, what we know about Simon is apparently he was a, a disciple of John the Baptist because he's there listening to John, and he hears what John has to say about Jesus, that the one on whom I see the Spirit descend and remain is the one of whom who is coming after me. And so the next day, he Jesus is walking along, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so Andrew and this other fellow, who we presume is the beloved disciple, John, because um, he's apparently the author, and he tends not to mention his own name in it, um, it, it, go to catch up with him. And when they catch up with him, Jesus apparently hears them approaching. And so he turns around, and in, in the translation we have, it says, What are you looking for? Now, in modern parlance, we would say, what do you want? What do you want? Those words, what do you want, are really the heart of evangelism. They're really, what is it all about? What do you want? Well, Andrew, being caught unawares, kind of goes, I, uh, uh, <laughs> um, where are you staying? I'm sure they were interested in his accommodations. And it's interesting, that word, um, where are you staying? The, what, the word staying in here is exactly the same word that John has used when he says, the one whom, on whom the Spirit descends and remains. That word remains is the same word. What the word really means is to abide, to dwell with, to tabernacle with. And we hear that a lot in John. It's a very popular term. It comes up over and over and over again. Remember, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I will abide in you. So this, this when they say, where are you staying? They're not just asking, you know, what kind of, of, of um, place does he have to, to hang out? They're really saying, who and what are you? You know, what is this all about? Could you be the one that the Spirit stays with the Spirit of God himself. Could you be God? That's the question that they're asking him. And Jesus, realizing that they aren't willing to ask him directly, also doesn't answer them directly. He says something almost as cryptic. He says, well, come and see. Come and see. Now that, again, that word to see in this case uh, means a little more than just like catching something with your eye. To come means to follow, obviously, but when he says come and see, means to perceive, to experience, to know in, in a deeper sense. You know, to come and follow me and find out for yourself who and what I am. 
And so they do. They follow him. And, and then Andrew, we know, immediately goes off and tells Simon. Now, that, that come and see is actually the motto of our church, just come and see. Um, and, and it's really, again, the heart of evangelism. And so what I want to talk about today is what, how Jesus wasn't just talking to Andrew, but he's talking to all of the disciples and even all of us today in these words. You see, you have to start with evangelism with that basic question, what do you want? What do you want? You know, too often we seem to think that, that evangelism is about going and knocking on somebody's door and saying, if you died tonight, do you know if you'd be in heaven or not? Which probably isn't what they were wanting at the moment. And then we wonder why it didn't give very many results. See, real evangelism is, is about looking into the other person to let them come on their own. Did Jesus chase down Andrew? Andrew followed him. And so he said, what is it that you want? And that's how evangelism starts, is to find out what does this person need? What are they lacking? What are they looking for? Because the truth is, is that everybody is lacking something. It might be a relationship. It might be meaning. It might be financial. It could be all sorts of different things. But you have to start with what the need is. Because if you don't start with what the need is, then they really aren't interested. They don't have anything to say to you about it. But when you talk to people about what they want, what they hope, what they dream, what they're missing, and you really care and you want to know, people open up and tell you about it. And so that's the beginning of evangelism, not some sort of, you know, we, we sort of twisted it to mean something perverse in a way. We've almost twisted it to mean that, that we're supposed to defend the faith. You know, so basically you're supposed to know all the doctrines of the church and have all the answers so that you can go out and convince somebody that Christianity is the right way to believe. And even more so, Anglican Christianity is the right way to believe as a part to the way those other people believe. Well, is it any wonder we're not very successful doing that? You know, one of the things I learned, I was a salesman for Circuit City. Anybody remember Circuit City? One of the things I learned in, in sales training was that a good salesperson doesn't just sell somebody something because they walk in the door. They don't say, here, buy this. They ask them, what are you looking for? They want to know, what is it that you need? Because if you really want to sell somebody something they want, you have to find out what it is that they want. And very often, that's not real clear to people, so sometimes it takes more of a conversation. Well, the same is true in our lives. A lot of times, we don't realize that Jesus is really what we want, that God, our maker, is who we want. We think that it's other things, worldly things, that won't satisfy. And the other thing that we do wrong in evangelism, other than just trying to give them a product they don't want, is that very often, we try to convince them that they really need this as the solution to their problem. But that's not what Jesus does either. Did Jesus tell Andrew, you know, you have to follow me because if you don't, you'll be spending eternity in hell and it will be really bad. What did he say? Come and see. Come and experience it for yourself. Find out what it's like. Try it. You might like it. That's what evangelism is at its heart, is an invitation to people to introduce them 
to the living word of God himself, Jesus Christ. And you can do that in lots of ways. You can do it through prayer. You can do it by telling them your experiences of him. You can do it by saying, if, if you experience him at church, you can do it by inviting them to come. And, and you know, I, Where I find Christ most often is in church. Why don't you come and see? See what it's like. You know, that come and see is an open invitation. That will everybody go? Probably not. But some will. You know, some will respond. And some may even find that what they thought they were looking for isn't really exactly it. You see, evangelism at its heart is not a sales job to try to get somebody to buy something that they don't want, don't know that they need, and if they did, you know, if we can convict them of it, then they would definitely take it on. It's really about introducing them to the Lord of life, about inviting them to come and see, to come and experience what we have experienced in the God that we love, to come and experience what it's like to be loved unconditionally, to come and experience what it's like to be you know, forgiven for the things that we have done or left undone. That's what evangelism is about, is come and see. Come and see what that's like. You know, a lot of us, when we mention the word evangelism in Anglican circles, um, people start cringing. I think uh, uh, Anglicans hate the E word more than they hate the T word. You know what the T word is? Tithing, yeah. E word's even worse. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's easier to give money than it is to go out and tell people about the good news. But the problem is, is that we make it too hard. We seem to think that somehow or other we, we have a quota or something, you know. It's like, have you brought in your three people to meet the Lord this week? But that isn't the way it works. It works in everyday conversations with everyday people. The people that you know and care about are the people that you meet and come to care about. It doesn't come in fancy ways. And, and chances are you may not have some dramatic conversion like the apostles did at Pentecost where 5,000 came to, to believe. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot. But it might be that, that you have a small part in God's plan for salvation. I mean, share a story with you. There was a man named Edward Sullivan who lived over 100 years ago at the beginning of the 20th century. Edward one day was asked by some of the people in, in his church if he would be willing to teach the middle school boys class. He couldn't figure out how to get out of it. So he agreed to do it. It wasn't that he wanted to do it particularly, but he thought, I'll give it a shot and try it. And so he goes into the middle school boys class and middle school boys can be a little precocious. But there was one boy in particular that was just really kind of almost annoying because he kept asking questions all the time. No matter what he would try to teach them, he would this, Mr. Sullivan, Mr. Sullivan, well, well, if God loves you unconditionally, why would he send anybody to hell? You know, things like that. Now, initially, Ed Sullivan was thinking, obviously, I'm in the wrong place. Then he began to think this kid has a problem because he won't leave me alone. And over time, a strange thing happened. He started to like this kid. And he started to see that the kid really did want to know and that he was looking for something. And so he decided that he was going to keep teaching the same class of boys all the way through high school. And he did. And he made it a personal mission 
that he was going to help Albert, Albert McMacken, you all know Albert McMacken, I'm sure, Albert McMacken to come to know Jesus. Because this boy was looking harder than anybody he'd ever seen. And so he did. And he introduced him to Jesus. You know, he helped him to know Jesus through the words of Scripture, through his own faith, through his own experiences. Basically, he invited him to come and see. And he prayed with him to accept Jesus. Well, we'd like to think that Albert McMacken grew up to be a very famous person who, you know, cured polio or, you know, was a rocket scientist or a politician or a great preacher or some of those things, but no, that's true. Do you know what Albert McMacken ended up doing when he grew up? He was a farmer. He was a farmer just like his dad was a farmer. You know, he lived in the same small town that they'd always lived in. Nothing was different. The only thing different about Albert was that he knew the Lord. And he had a passion to help other people to come and see. And so whenever a revival would roll into town, and back in those days, this would probably be about the 1930s, you know, if anything rolled into town, it was a good thing. You know, everybody went because there wasn't a whole lot going on in small towns. And so whenever anything came in town, people would go and see. And so one thing he could do was he had a pickup truck because he was a farmer. And so he loaded everybody in his truck and took them to the revival. And, you know, this went on for several years. And as time went on, there was one particular young boy who he had taken a liking to, who he thought really should get to know Jesus. So he would go to this boy and he'd say, you know, why don't you come with us to the revival this weekend? Oh, Mr. McMacken, you know, you, you keep asking me that and all, but you know, I've got a date. I can't do that. Seemed the boy like girls better than Jesus. Odd thing for teenage boys, isn't it? And he would ask him again and again and again and again. The kid just wasn't interested. You know, he said, that's all right for you, and I'm glad that you have that, but I really don't, you know, I'm not interested. I don't want to do that. And finally, Albert's racking his brain trying to figure out how in the world can I get this kid to come and see? And so finally it dawns on him. He's found out that this boy has gotten his driver's license. And so he goes to him and says, hey, would you be willing to help me out this weekend? He said, Mr. McMacken, I know there's a revival coming to town. You want me to go? You know, I, I can't do it. He said, well, would you be willing to drive my truck? He said, Mr. McMacken, I really appreciate it, but I really don't want to go to the revival, even if I get to drive your truck. He said, well, you don't have to go to the revival. Just drive the truck. The boy says, really? He says, yeah. Just drive the truck there and drive it home. That's all you got to do. He said, so I can drive the truck, and I can drive it home, but I don't have to go in. Nope. You're not going to change us when we get there, are you? Nope. Okay, I'll drive the truck. So he does. He drives the truck. And, and they go there, and all the people pile out of the back of the truck, and Albert McMacken gets out of the truck and says, we'll be out when it's over. He closes the door, and he goes in. Well, revivals, tent revivals can go on for quite a while. And, and so the, the kid's sitting here in the truck just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he starts hearing laughing. And he starts hearing, you know, people, uh, you know, shouting and praise. He starts hearing all this singing. And he's wondering, what in the world is going on in there? You know, it's been one hour, it's been two hours, it's been two and a half hours, it's been three hours. So he says, I'm, I'm going to check this out. I've got to find out what the heck, are these people ever coming out? 
And so he, he goes into the back of the tent very discreetly because he wants to make sure that Albert McMacken does not know that he came in because he's not going to go to this revival. And he hears the preacher preaching the stories of Scripture and about how God so loved the world that he changed it dramatically through the offering of his son. And the more he listened, the more enamored he became. And the more enamored he became, the more he had to listen and the more he had to know. And by the time that boy had left that revival, he had accepted Jesus Christ and turned to him as his Lord and Savior. And do you know who that little boy was? It was Billy Graham, who reached 250 million people with the gospel of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you know, but they're asking, Franklin Graham's asking for prayers for his father. He's probably in the last throes of his life. I mean, he's really failing quickly. And so I ask you with Franklin to pray for him. But this one boy who was more interested in girls than in Jesus proclaimed the gospel to 250 million people. Now, you may not be Billy Graham, but you might be an Edward Sullivan, or you might be an Albert McMacken. You see, we all have our parts to play. Andrew didn't get to be the first pope, did he? You know, he's only mentioned like five times. You know, he doesn't do a whole lot. He was the one who says we don't have enough to eat. You know, how are we supposed to feed all these people? You know, you don't really see a whole lot of him. And yet, he's always there. Always in the background. But, he also was the one who brought Peter. What we do matters. When we find out what people want, and we share with them, how God has answered our needs, then we open a door of invitation that maybe they too can come and see. Each one of us is called to be an evangelist. Maybe not Billy Graham, maybe just an Edward Sullivan, but every one of us can share our stories. Every one of us can find out what people need. Every one of us can make an introduction and let Jesus do the work. Because ultimately, it all boils down to the same thing that Andrew asked Jesus. Where are you staying? Where do you abide? Who are you really in the core of your being? And we have to ask ourselves that too. Where do we stay? Where do we abide? Who are we in the core of our being? My prayer is that the church can once again discover that where we abide is in Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See. Thank you.